Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, February 9th. Today, we unpack the details from Premier Jason Kenney's three-step plan announced Tuesday evening to ease COVID restrictions in the province. We begin with reaction from the medical community. We speak with Dr. Dan Gregson, Professor of Infectious Diseases, Medical Microbiology at the University of Calgary. Next, response to the announcement from the official opposition. We hear from David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton City Centre and the NDP health critic. Then we speak with Ernie Sue, President of the Alberta Hospitality Association. We get Ernie's thoughts on the three-step plan and if the announcement offers up enough to help the province's beleaguered hospitality industry. And finally, we continue our health series, focusing on the impact the pandemic has had on our mental health. This time out, Global News producer Chris Brentlinger-Grant examines the negative effects alcohol consumption can have on our overall health. Premier Jason Kenney last night said we are past the peak of Omicron and it's time to start living with this virus. But is the province moving too fast with the announcement of how COVID restrictions will start to be removed starting last night? Joining us this morning to discuss is Dr. Dan Gregson, Associate Professor, Infectious Diseases, Medical Microbiology at the University of Calgary. Good morning to you, doctor. Thanks for joining us this morning. No, it's a pleasure. Is that a consensus of medical experts that we are past the peak of Omicron? I don't think that's a consensus at all. Um, certainly in terms of our hospitalizations, there's no um, data showing that our, we're going down yet. I mean, we, we may be at the peak. We don't know. Time will tell. And I think the next week or two is going to be relatively important as we uh, remove more restrictions um, in the community, uh, you know, uh, Omicron and particularly the, the new variant of Omicron, the BA2 variant, is very transmissible. We're going to see a lot of transmission. If you haven't had it yet, you're going to get it uh, as these restrictions uh, come off. Um, and with regards to what's going on in our hospitals, you know, our hospitals in Alberta are currently uh, at higher levels of occupancy than they are in uh, Ontario and, and Quebec. And Ontario and Quebec avoided the situation we're in by uh, increasing restrictions in uh, late December, early January. So they closed bars, restaurants, and gyms. Their, their opening up is just opening up bars, restaurants, and gyms at a minimal level. It's totally different than what um, uh, I guess our government has failed to do and our government is currently doing. Hey, Dr. Gregson, let's uh, laser in on the cornerstone of uh, piece number one of this three-step plan, which is the uh, you know, re- uh, the uh, uh, exemption program, okay? So so when we have these, you know, QR codes needed to get into restaurants or facilities, for example, fitness facilities, whatever it might be, uh, there was talk around the fact that they were only served to raise the uptick of vaccinations. So do you see that as a problem in the case of the thinking of everybody who's got the vaccination and has the vaccination and those who won't will never get it? Uh, well, that's that's a decision people have made on their own. Um, if they decided at this point in time not to be vaccinated, you're probably right. They probably won't be vaccinated. Um, the issue, I guess, is going to be that as the restrictions come off, those individuals who aren't immunized will, will become infected. And uh, their risk of hospitalization will be based on their essentially age group underlying disease and lack of immunization. These vaccines are <clears throat> not perfect, but they're, they're very effective in two doses about preventing hospitalization. So at the segment of the population without vaccine, it's about 10%, 5 to 10% of the population. 
uh, now becomes infected uh, without vaccine, we're going to see, um, again, more admissions to, the, to our hospitals. Doctor, can I ask from your perspective what you might have liked to have seen or heard, what kind of a timeline you think we might better be moving at? Um, well, I think, unfortunately, what we didn't do was do any, put any further restrictions in, in uh, January, um, early January. You know, the data on transmission with Omicron and uh, two doses of vaccine is you don't reduce transmission, although you prevent a lot of um, disease in the community. You don't, it's not that as, as effective as transmission as it was with, with Delta. You really need that uh, booster vaccine to, to have some have impact on, on transmission. So, you know, removing the, again, removing the exemptions for people who are immunized, uh, it's, it's probably going to have, have more people become infected in a shorter period of time. Uh, but the concern really is the number of people are going to end up in hospital. We don't know uh, how many of that people, people that's going to be. And our hospitals currently, um, he's using a metric uh, based on um, uh, wastewater management. And the metric I would use is, is healthcare capacity because we need room in the hospitals to admit these patients if they need care. We, you know, we're not going to leave them on the street. We're going to admit them. We're going to give them the best care possible. And that includes the ICUs. So we need space in our ICUs and in our healthcare system to admit these patients if they need admission. So Dr. Gregson, in your professional opinion, are we nearing the point where COVID moves from pandemic to endemic? And, and what does that look like? When do we know that we've switched from the pandemic to endemic? Uh, we'll know when we stop having... Uh, waves. I think that uh, when, when I guess uh, my my observation recently is when once everybody becomes infected, uh, we'll start seeing more and more uh, immunity in the community, so to speak. But but I guess now currently with our hospitals sitting at 100% occupancy, is not the time for more cases in the community. I think what we want to do is drag this out a little bit, so again, so we can take care of people who are sick. And then as rates drop off, particularly in the summer of this year, we're going to, in spring and summer, we're going to see fewer and fewer cases and be able to deal with them as they, as they, show, as they show up in emergency rooms. Thanks so much for joining in the conversation this morning, Doctor. Appreciate your time. Oh, you're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Dr. Dan Gregson, Associate Professor, Infectious Diseases, Medical Microbiology at the University of Calgary. Well, last night, obviously, the province announced the plan to remove COVID restrictions over the next several weeks, a three-step program. With comment and reaction, we're joined by Edmonton Centre MLA and NDP health critic David Shepard. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Your reaction to what you heard last night uh, from the Premier to start rolling back restrictions and, of course, starting with the restrictions exemption program, those changes and it it, uh, being not just eased but removed as of today. What are your thoughts? So, you know, I was really concerned that uh, we saw such a rush announcement uh, at the late hour with barely any notice to, I think, the individuals that are affected. We've heard from the Calgary Chamber of Commerce. We have heard from school boards. We have heard from the mayor of Calgary that have all said they were not consulted. The premier did not speak to anyone. So we saw him compress his timeline for removing public health measures from March to the end of February to within a few days, all because his own MLAs were starting to rebel within his caucus because they were going down to support the illegal blockaded coups. Those are not the basis on which we should be making public health decisions. We need to work from the data. We all want to see this happen. It's been a long two years, but government should be making decisions based on data, not the premier's concerns about his political career. 
NDP leader Rachel Notley saying yesterday she was concerned the Calgary Chamber of Commerce was not consulted on the removal of vaccine passports and has now come out against the decision. So is there, you know, a thought process in terms of how quickly or or slowly these restrictions should be lifted then from Ms. Notley and yourself? So, again, I think what we really have to do is base this on the data. Now, the Premier yesterday was talking about, well, hospitalizations are coming down, things are changing. But the fact is, hospitalizations went up yesterday. Our healthcare system, the Premier himself has admitted, is still under enormous strain. So I think certainly there are conversations we can have about when we can lift these public health measures. And it, in fact, may be safe to do so in the not-so-distant future. But we're not seeing that from this Premier. We are not seeing him make a careful, thoughtful decision based on consultation with the people that are impacted or based on public health data or recommendations from public health experts. We're seeing him make a rushed announcement at the last minute because he is under enormous political pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as the pressure, we can get that for sure. And we appreciate your reaction this morning, David. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. That is David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton City Centre and, of course, NDP's health critic. That pressure, though, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. What do you say to businesses that have been battered, mm-hmm. the organizations that have been battered, the mental health of people? And we talked to Dr. Gregson a few minutes ago. One of the things that stuck with me was Dr. Gregson said, I think, he, I think the stat was 5 to 10% of the people are unvaccinated. And that's why we have to... Uh, you know, that's why he would not like to see the exemption program lifted, because if they happen to be in a restaurant and they get it, they would be much more sick and take up hospital space. But they do. And, and this is cold and callous on my part. They had a choice to not get the vaccination. Mm-hmm. So do we put the brakes on life as we know it? Do we put the brakes on getting back to normal because people, uh, 10 percent or less, have chosen not to get vaccinated? I know there are a lot of people who are concerned it's, it's happening too fast. And, you know, on the other hand, there are a lot of people who are ready, even though they're vaccinated and, you know, obviously been following the science, but are still ready for things to change, to open up. So I think it's just, again, you know, we've talked about it all morning long. It is key that the premier follow medical and, you know, the, the people who are in the know in terms of uh, the medical decisions that are being made and and having the timeline be, you know, according to that. It can't just be based on pressure from people down at the Coots border or those who are not vaccinated and want things or those in Ottawa who also are, you know, pushing that Trudeau resign. Those things should not be affecting our decisions here in Alberta. And we mentioned those decisions and the effects of all of these and the announcements yesterday. Just after 830, we'll find out. We'll speak with Ernie Sue from the Alberta Hospitality Association. Is this enough? Uh, would he have liked to see more for his association? That's just after 8.30. Is Alberta planning on rolling back COVID restrictions too quickly with reaction to the province's announcement last night? We're joined this morning by Ernie Sue, owner of Trolley 5 Brewery and president of the Alberta Hospitality Association. Good morning, Ernie. Good morning, you guys. Uh, I know it's been a rough ride for you and your counterparts in the Hospitality Association. So curious as to, um, I'm sure, you know, you were hoping for some good news. Were these the restrictions you had hoped to see, you know, addressed as quickly as they're going to be? Or, or were there others? For example, the 11 o'clock cutoff for drinking. Yeah, no, the, the expectation and the hope from industry across the province after sending in multiple letters... Uh, from owners and stakeholders across the province was for an easement of the existing restrictions, um, the curfew, and then, of course, the uh, not allowing guests to stand and mix and mingle. 
So, you know, as far as these, you know, not using the vaccine passport and the QR code to get into an establishment, what sort of an impact would that have? Is, is that a big deal in your world? Well, I mean, for us, it's 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 more about the, the, the other is restrictions. Yeah. It's about getting back to normal service, being able to allow restaurants to freely operate at 100%. Uh, you know, we look at our, a lot of our live music venues with this existing, with the existing restrictions, uh, they can't host shows. They can't host uh, bands or music, musicians if it's if it's 100% fully seated. That diminishes their capacity by at least 50%. Uh, Ernie, about the REP program, um, you know, what you what would you have liked to have seen? What what are you hearing from the folks in your industry that you would have liked to have had a news coming down specifically about last night? Well, the majority of our industry um, wanted to see the REP program as almost the last step. Uh, you know, restriction, these current restrictions have held uh, back so many businesses from, from making proper revenues uh, while trying to fight out of the last two years of debt. But that being said, with the removal of the REP program, it's, it's you know, we're hoping that there'll be better communication from the government to the public that current restrictions are still in place. It's interesting because there's a caveat attached uh, from moving from step one to step two that says if hospitalization numbers continue to trend yeah. down, then we will move. But if not, uh, that will not be the case. So is there a bit of a, a trepidation, I guess, from you and your members that this is another open for summer plan that could be ripped from us? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, all the way back to June, <laughs> right before best summer ever, our association had asked government uh, to come forward with any type of benchmark or uh, metric that would state, you know, what would trigger uh, restrictions or a lifting of or easement of restrictions. Um, you know, we've been asking for a plan the whole time, and not just for us. This is this is for parents of kids that had, you know, schools closed down throughout the the wave four to five, and you know. All we wanted to see was, well, let us what, know what the metric is. You know, meet with doctors and, and ICU and, and see if you could come up with some barometer as to, you know, what it would take for us to be able to freely operate at 100%. Still lots of questions for sure. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and right throughout this time. Thanks, Ernie. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks to you guys. Ernie Sue, owner of Trolley 5 Brewery and president of the Alberta Hospitality Association. An increase in alcohol consumption has been one of the ways many Canadians have dealt with the effects of the pandemic, though few who drink realize alcohol is a carcinogen, just like tobacco. So should its packaging come with warning labels? 630 Cheds' Chris Brentlinger-Grant has more. For some, the impacts on mental health brought on by the pandemic... Isolation, financial stress, grief of loss, or any combination of these may have led to an increase in alcohol consumption. Data from StatsCan on our mental health levels throughout COVID and the use of tobacco, cannabis, and alcohol showed that, quote, those who reported lower self-perceived mental health wellness levels were more likely to report increased consumption of cannabis, alcohol, and tobacco to navigate the uncertain times. Could this increased drinking lead to higher cancer rates in the future? 
every part of human tissue that alcohol comes in contact with, or it's metabolite acetaldehyde, it's like a chemical that burns. So you imagine the sort of burning damage to cells in the body all the way through the digestive system, which then was repaired. So each time we have a drink, the body repairs the damage. Drink, repair, drink, repair. And each time there's an infinitesimal chance that that cell won't be replicated, or the cells that are damaged won't be replicated the way they should. That's Dr. Tim Stockwell, a senior scientist with the Canadian Institute for Substance Use Research at the University of Victoria. Now, alcohol is considered a class one carcinogen in Canada, meaning consumption doesn't cause cancer at all times, under all circumstances, in all people. But packaging for tobacco, which is in the same category, comes with warning labels that are virtually impossible to miss, highlighting the dangers of lighting up. Smoking tobacco and its association with the risk of cancer is well documented, but consuming alcohol? Not so much. Why is that? It is a puzzling thing. You're not alone, not just in Canada, but in most countries of the world, there's deep wells of ignorance about this. In fact, only South Korea has put a warning label about cancer. And I think a lot of it can be placed on the door. Well, there's two parts. Alcohol's our favorite drug we don't want to hear. Policymakers don't want to hear as well, so they don't make policies. Um, there seems to be very difficult to get health information put on a label. <laughs> we don't have calorie information. We don't have sugar. We have nothing. We have nice pictures of rolling vineyards and you know things that would make us want to buy the product. Nothing about the health effects. And the alcohol industry have worked very hard to keep it that way. From the perspective of alcohol producers and lobbyists, totally understood. But what could warning labels on alcohol containers look like? Dr. Stockwell knows as well as anyone because he made them. My colleague Erin Hobin from Public Health Ontario and I spent four years designing such labels. We had panels, um, we did studies of panels of people, focus groups, and we got the chance to trial them out in the Yukon in an experiment. And anybody can find them online. You might Google my name, a Yukon alcohol warning label, and you'll see three red and yellow, lovely bright um, warning labels. The first ones warned about cancer, breast cancer, cancer of the colon, and it was endorsed by the medical health office of the Yukon. The next one was about drinking guidelines, a little picture of a man, a picture of a woman, how many drinks you could have on average in a day, two days off a week at least. Those were the old low-risk drinking guidelines. And then how many standard drinks are in a container, how you monitor that. Because we, most people don't have a flying clue about how many standard drinks are in their bottle. It's not labeled. But those labels in the Yukon aren't around anymore. The alcohol industry uh, went into overdrive and pressured the Yukon government. So we were, we were able to put these labels out for one month. Every alcohol container sold in the Whitehorse liquor store. It's the main liquor store in Whitehorse. Sold, it sells about 95% of all the alcohol there. They had to put on by hand. Um, it lasted 30 days and the Yukon government was pressured by the wine industry, beer industry, spirits industry to take them off for, for fear of being dragged through the courts. They knew the case was right. The, the minister 
um, responsible for the decision came out public said we accept the evidence from the World Health Organization. We haven't got deep enough pockets to fight the court battle. It could go on for years. There are a lot of public service campaigns dedicated to putting a stop to potentially harmful things that people choose to do. Among them, don't drink and drive. Wear your seatbelt. Don't take up smoking tobacco. But Dr. Stockwell, are you recommending that people avoid drinking entirely or more just that if a person decides to drink, that they be mindful of their consumption levels? It's much more the latter because this is a situation of informing people of risks so they can make their own mind up. I think we need to know things like if you do the averages game, every drink you have, um, if you're a light drinker, on average takes about five minutes off your life expectancy. So I think that that's the kind of information people need to be able to judge. Well, I like doing this an awful lot. How much of, you know, risk am I prepared to take? And then we, people make their own minds up. Literature from the Canadian and American Cancer Societies note that specific genetic, behavioral and underlying health factors each contribute to cancer development in a given person. And keep in mind the definition of a class one carcinogen. Consumption doesn't cause cancer at all times, under all circumstances, in all people. But Dr. Stockwell thinks that shouldn't stop us from putting as much thoroughly researched health information in the hands of consumers as possible. It's a tiny chance if you're a light drinker. It really is a tiny chance. But, you know, we deserve to know. And the chance actually does get large with the more you drink. It's, you know, so we should really be told about this. For the 2022 Health Series, I'm Chris Brantlinger Grant. I don't know, Sue. For me, uh, I'm fine with the labels because, and this is something we, uh, well, personally, I learned on the program, what, a few weeks ago, maybe last month, that there's carcinogen, mm-hmm. you know, uh, materials within alcohol. I mean, I, I had no idea, and I, I love beer. I, I, and I, I understand there are the risks, but I, I, I enjoy the taste of beer. I think knowledge is power. So the more label information, whether it be warnings or otherwise, that we can get on products, I think the better. And if that deters one person then great. Yeah. If, it, if it doesn't, at least it gives you a little more knowledge as to what you're consuming, right? Hey, they're already on uh, cigarettes, and if you smoke, exactly. you're, you're going to make that decision still, yeah. right? Uh, we continue our health series tomorrow and Friday. This is a health series we're running on 770 CHQR, talking about stress, wellness, mental health, all during the pandemic. It's been a difficult couple of years, so trying to help you out with this series. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.